Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You've reached the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Liz. And today we're talking about... My trip to the Bears-Rams game and if you should stream Trubisky this weekend versus the awful Giants. Hey, is uh, Philip Rivers cooked? Are the Steelers even more cooked? Are the Falcons um, like actually kind of good now? Rookie pass catchers we're interested in in the second half. And one thing about every game. Listen up. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Liz Loza here with Matt and Brett. And y'all, I missed you guys on Sunday night. I know. It was a different vibe with Dalton here. Uh, good vibe. Dalton, Dalton's great. He brings like a, like a calming presence. Oh, he's fantastic and, like that, yeah. And I felt very like contemplated. Whereas with you, you like gas me up and I feel like energetic about the games coming out of Sunday. So it's a different vibe, but I think it was it was fun. How Liz, how was the how <laughs> the was the burner? epic Sunday night football duel between uh Dust Ball one and Dust Ball two. Well remember when you asked me for my projected point total or what the score would be and I said 10-13 Rams yeah. and the game and the score was 10-17. I walked away being like, oh I'm better than I thought and I don't like that. Well I'll be honest, I forgot about that, but uh good good call by you. <laughs> I will say the beers were better than the bears. Well, I, mean, I don't know what kind of beers you were drinking, but that's not a very high bar. Oh, that to, mango to cart clear. stuff from Golden Road is fantastic. Yeah, no, their Golden Road is good. I'll How about tell you, you, sponsor us, Golden Road. Yeah, so come on, give me a break, Golden Road. Get, get, get us a beer sponsorship here, um, so I can have some free beers. That's all I really want in life. I will say, from watching the game on TV, the obvious moment where, of course, you know, following the game along on Twitter and, and watching on TV, it was, you know, the the benching at the end of the game or the hip situation. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. Because in real time, I will say, first of all, Chicago fans travel incredibly well. We were surrounded by them. I was glad I had a Bears hat on and that my Rams shirt was underneath my basic Sherpa jacket. So it was pretty well hidden. Um, but then it was kind of hot. So I had to take it off. Anyway, so Bears fans travel incredibly well. And at the half, or I would say maybe the top to middle of the third quarter, Bears fans started cheering for a Trubisky benching, including our boss, um, Jason Klobaka. And, <laughs> and also Jason was like, you're like um, Jekyll and Hyde right now. Like you're you're cheering every single time. And I was like, I know, I know. I had made the decision, by the way, just, just to root for Taylor Gabriel for fantasy because he was in my fantasy damage and to root for the Rams because it keeps the NFC West a much more um, competitive yeah. division. Interesting. Yep. So that's what I settled on. But these fans were cheering for a Trubisky benching. And then when it happened, and Jason was like, oh, come on, just give us chase. And then on the Bears' next possession, 
Chase was under center. Yeah. And everybody in the section was like, he heard us. He gave nice. us what he wanted. Da, 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 da. There was no mention of Trubisky getting hurt, of him walk, like being a little hobbled, getting up late from this supposed hit in the sex, second in the second quarter. Um, you never want to get hit in the sex quarter, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you can take that out of the show, Brett. Where was I? Chase Daniels. Chase Daniels. <laughs> Daniel and Chris. Everyone is excited. Then on Monday, I come into the office. I do cover three. And one of the topics I see on the Google Doc, the production doc, is Mitch Trubisky's hip injury. And I was like, what hip injury? How many mango carts did I have? Yeah. Like, I don't recall any hip injury. I know when you walk out of the Coliseum, there is definitely like, the air of Mota in the air, you know? And so I was like, maybe I got a little affected by sure. what was blowing through the breeze. No, this is a lie. Yeah. Well, number one, it just, it's one of those things where it doesn't make you look good either way if you're Matt Nagy, because number one, if he is hurt in the sex quarter, as you mentioned, <laughs> uh, in the second quarter, <laughs> Probably bench him then. Then, well, you bench him then. Also, you don't run an option play with him <laughs> on third and one after that. You know, I mean, you don't you don't put your quarterback if he's your guy in that position. Uh, so, yeah, none of it really lines up. Nothing that Matt Nagy does lines up. Nothing that the Bears are doing lines up. How about up Panero right now. missing two more? Di- oh. <laughs> I mean, that was really on my radar. So I, I just want to, I think we have to talk about Trubisky from a fantasy perspective yeah. because of his matchup in week 12. It is the last week of buys. We're going to talk about other quarterbacks that may be looking like they're at the end of their careers in a second, but currently he is day to day, Trubisky is with this hip injury. He is facing the Giants on Sunday. That's a team that's allowing the eighth most yards per game, an average of almost 260, right? So, Matt. Are you, because I am too emotionally biased, willing to stream no. Mitch Trip? No. Nope. We just did this with the Eagles the other week, right? Remember just a few <laughs> weeks ago. You were the one. You were the voice of reason, <laughs> Liz. You were the voice of reason like tanks out there saying, you got to play Trubisky and DFS. And I'm like, hey, this is the Allen Robinson week. One for six. That was the result for so, Allen Robinson. So I actually, but to, to that point, though, I think you can play some of these offensive guys. But, like, when I sat there and thought to myself for Wolf pickups, do I want to have Anthony Miller on here? Because, like, the Giants have been getting creamed in the slot. And he's actually, Miller, what did he have, 11 targets last week? He had double-digit targets, but Taylor Gabriel had 14 and is going to yeah. see a lot of DeAndre Baker. Right which is something I'd prefer over Miller because you know that Tariq Cohen is also going to be taking snaps out of the slot. I decided ultimately that I'm willing to like throw Allen Robinson out there because just the better player, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, I'm not, I am no longer willing to put myself through going down the pecking order of this broken offense, like going that far down the proverbial usage tree in this offense to Miller to Gabriel. Um, the Gabriel play was all right last week. Like, yeah, he, got just, he was a wide receiver three in PPR-friendly format. Could have been worse. Seven, I had projected him for five catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown. I think he had seven for 56. No yeah. touch. I mean, that's what you're hoping for. Sure. Um, I, I just don't think any of these guys down that far down the line have, like, a big ceiling. I guess here is that, no, there's no ceiling. But I will say in deeper leagues, and again, the matchup, the stat I love most about the Giants, and it's not one that's talked about often, is that they've allowed the most plays over 40 yards. And when I think about any of these ancillary pieces with admittedly 
very low ceilings. I think about Taylor Gabriel and his speed and an ability to exploit that. Yeah. So I like him. And I, I also think about Tariq Cohen, who's also had six targets per game mm-hmm. on a regular yep. basis. So to me, those two options, Allen Robinson makes sense as well. But these are two lesser guys that I'd be willing to take a gamble on. Yes. I don't want to talk about the Rams side of things until we get to our yeah, game preview. I do have a lot of thoughts on the Rams. But or do, we can do it now. No, 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 no. Let's do it later. The Monday. So the, the Rams Bears game was the Sunday night game. The Monday night game was a treat yeah. at Estadio Azteca. Um, I'm just going to be real blunt. Is Philip Rivers done? Is he done? Um, well, like here's, a turkey on Thanksgiving. Cooked like a turkey. Um, on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving. Extra dry. Keep it with the theme. Um, They're always dry on Thanksgiving. Ladies cooking them, men cooking them, always like let you smoke it up in their heads about it. If you smoke it, that helps. But nevertheless, what about frying them? Do you ever fry a turkey? You can fry a turkey. Have you ever? I've never fried a turkey, but uh, have been a. What about rock Hornish hens? You like those? No. Oh, stuff with some wild rice. Yo, little bones. You got big hands. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Speaking of little bones, Philip Rivers. (laughs) Philip Rivers. Uh, the last two weeks has obviously been terrible. They've both been in big primetime games. The thing with Philip Rivers, and you can, if you think he's not done, I think the story that you tell yourself is like that Packers game not long ago was hyper efficient. I think he overall has played, you know, he, he hasn't been as bad as he is right now through the entire course of the season, but. I think that speaks to just his skill set. Like, he is a guy who needs pass protection. He has terrible pass protection. Both of those tackles Both are off. Both of the tackles are off. And I said I said this on FFL that, that Sunday morning, that this was not a game that was going to shoot out because of that reason. Like, the Chargers have to establish the run. That bleeds the clock. And if Phillip Rivers gets in a position where he's got to drop back and pass, Frank Clark and Chris Jones are good. And Frank Clark dominated that game. He's been playing much better now that he's healthier. So... You can say that, yeah, Rivers is not done. He just needs a much better ecosystem than what he has right now, especially on the offensive line. But he, we know that with these quarterbacks, when it goes, it goes fast often. And, like, is he just in the middle of his Peyton Manning-esque decline? He has 14 turnovers on the season. That is second, the second most turnovers to, to uh, in the league yeah. behind just, guess. Jameis Winston, yeah. obviously. <laughs> um, so... I will admit that in watching that game, because I I was finally home for a night and watched that game in detail. And when he threw that pick in the end zone at the end of the game, I gasped. I was very quiet, just like under my breath said, oh, no, because I thought this was it. It went out, you know. But but more of that, I wasn't frustrated or angry. I was more sad because to me, that was like evidence of the end. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's... and it was that pick in particular. And I'd been defending him with the, you know, left and right tackles out as well, and him not being able to plant his feet. But you got to be clutch in those moments, and with that many years of of, of experience, you, you just can't be forgiven. You're not Brett Favre. There's a couple <clears throat> of, um, yeah, right. Like this isn't this isn't Brett Favre though. Like right. remember when Brett Favre when it was like brutal to watch? I think Rivers is still. But we're nearing it. We're getting well. The problem is too. Like I think you can look at that and say like, how is Rivers making these decisions? He's a old yeah. ass veteran quarterback. Yeah. But also it's like, you know why he's probably making those decisions? Because yes. he's he's writing checks that his arm can't cash anymore. And I think that's very possible. I think that's probably right. It did elicit quite of a, a, a sad gasp out from out of me. Let's talk about the Steelers if we're gonna talk about quarterbacks who maybe oh, don't sh- have arm strength. Yeah. We got Juju out on Sunday. Um Connor's unlikely to play. Like can we just say he's not gonna play instead of doing this 
will he, won't he? I mean, thing. he said he doesn't even know he's going to travel with the team. So Right. Also, I wrote this in the outline yesterday. Oh, no, no, no. More, I'm not saying. I just feel okay. like a lot of people are like, well, if Connor plays. It's definitely solidified that he won't play in the last three or four hours. And even if he does play, guys, this is a dude who can't finish a game. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're risking. I did feel his forecast for running backs this week. And that was my point. Was like, even if he plays, I'm going to project him for just 70 total yards because like not this finish is the game. Mid, mid-game aggravation yeah. is very possible. Deontay Johnson is in concussion protocol. He so did practice in full today, though. Okay. Worth noting. So he may or may not play. To me, you've got three three receivers. You've got Jalen Samuels, who is a receiver yep. and has dual eligibility in our game. Not anymore. Okay. And James Washington. <laughs> nope, not anymore. <laughs> and Vance McDonald. Um, Mason Rudolph's YPA is 6.3. His ADOT is under 8 yards. So these are a perfect collection of receivers to match Rudolph's Hey, don't you set. forget about Johnny Holton. Just the most unrealized air yards of all time. I have forgotten yeah, I mean, slash never worth, realized. It's worth forgetting. Okay. But... Of course, the matchup against the Bengals is incredibly tempting. What are you doing? I think lost in the entire obvious what happened afterwards with Miles Garrett and and Mason Rudolph, and that is still an ongoing discussion. Oh, how bad the Steelers were playing? Well, I think lost in that is that this was like, if you had any hope that Mason Rudolph was like a salvageable quarterback, he was terrible in that game. I mean, beyond the pale bad. And like, I don't know. I, I... just everything everything about the guy, not just from the way he plays, is just such a turnoff. Like, I think he plays cowardly, and here we are. I love watching you choose your words. I'm being very careful with, mm-hmm. with my As words. As you should, man. I think he plays very cowardly, and I think that shows up. And it, it to the point, like, it's, like you said, he has no... He has no ability to push the ball downfield. He has no feel for the game. He has no feel for the game because he's a seven-on-seven quarterback. Like, that's what you play when you're in the Big 12 for the most part. Like, you play seven-on-seven. You're not getting pressure, any of that. And and the second the play breaks down, it's over with Mason Rudolph. I mean, it's dead over. And, look, I I don't, you know, yeah. It's just, no thanks. So, so from that point, I'm not disagreeing, right, when you talk about his ADOT and his YPA and all of these things. That is proven out not just in watching the paint tape but also in the stats so assuming James Conner isn't going to play and the matchup against the Bengals is prime for the running back position how much juice are you allowing Trey Edmonds wait just wait because the Bengals are allowing 33 rush attempts they're seeing for opposing rushers try to carry the ball 33 times on average per game. We know this, right? And they're also allowing the most rushing yards per game. And I'm not saying that Trey Edmonds is a world beater. No. I remember on Sunday a little conversation about maybe making him part of your wolf pack. I forgot about it. Yeah. (laughs) And if there are, let's say, 30 touches, Uh right, maybe the Steelers don't even manage that. And also, this is a team that has looked frisky with the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. The defense certainly looks different than the offense. But coming off of the debacle with Cleveland— they have to win. They will win, assumedly, unless there's a regression to the mean with the Bengals here, right? This could be the Bengals' first win. But you have to imagine that Trey Edmonds and James Conner are both going to get double-digit carries. Trey Edmonds' largest carry total was 12, I believe, back when they played Indianapolis and Conner was out. What was that, week 12? Yeah. No, that, this, is, no, week this 12. is week 12. Week 9. That was week 9. So I feel like he can be a flex. I threw up the preemptive nah wave at the beginning of your— Rant. A soliloquy there mm. because I thought you were going to say 
How, what do we do about Jalen Samuels? Because to me, Samuels is not an answer. Is like a runner. He just he oh, doesn't he's have. A passing. It. Yeah, he doesn't have it. Like, and people ask me on uh, Thursday night, like in the middle of the game, or right, to, you know, after Connor gets hurt, like, can I do I really go down this this Samuel path again? And I said, no, because you just know like what it's just a gross like seven for 35 floors, a receiver with no rushing equity. Now, the Edmonds call is interesting. Admittedly, I think that is very interesting because they can't flow the game through the pass no. through the pass anymore at this point. Like you, you can't do it with Mason Rudolph, much less with these receivers now being hurt with Juju down. I mean, this they got no juice. So to me, I think that Edmonds actually is a pretty sneaky play. From the Bengal side of things, Auden Tate is also in the concussion protocol. So it looks like you're just going to see Tyler Boyd and, and Joe Mixon here with some of the Erickson character sprinkled in. Alex yeah, Erickson. Character is a way to put it. Which is, <laughs> is pretty cool. Well, and also it's, t- I mean, I don't know how the Bengals are going to put any points on the board because the defense, the Pittsburgh defense is pretty good, it's particularly good. the run defense. And the only real weapon they have is Joe Mixon, who, yes, manages what he managed two weeks ago, 100 yards, but it took 30 carries to do it. Yeah, he's he's racked up 48 touches, I think, over the last two weeks, which is crazy that like, Ryan, Stop trying. <laughs> Stop it. Save him. Like Ryan Finley is it's weird, right? Like Ryan Finley's been a net negative for the entire Bengals offense, which is not unsurprising. Like Andy Dalton's a pretty solid quarterback and Finley's been just terrible. He's not a he doesn't look like an NFL starter whatsoever out there. But it's oddly been a spark for Joe Mixon, who got like needed 30 carries to get to 100 yards the week before, but last week against the Raiders, admittedly against the Raiders, sure. he was much more solid efficient. Run. Let's talk about the Falcons, who, because it was facing your on-again, off-again Carolina Panthers, looked pretty good. I know Kyle Allen's play has been troubling over the past few weeks, past few outings, but I believe he was sacked five times. He turned the ball over, I think, four times. Yep, four times. 6.5 YPA. So this is two outings in a row, one against the Saints and now against the Par- the Panthers, both division rivals, um, that the Falcons have put together a pass rush, which is interesting. So are they good now? Was the whole answer just Dan Quinn relinquishing control of the play calling duties and moving uh, Raheem Morris Raheem from Morris. wide receivers coach to DB's coach? By the way, I couldn't think of who we were talking like when we were talking about the Youngry team, um, Raheem the- Morris. Josh Freeman was the quarterback, yeah. and the other Mike Williams uh, was the wide receiver. I couldn't remember who the running back was. I looked it up. LeGarrette Blunt. Yeah. <laughs> LeGarrette yes. Blunt rushed for a thousand yards as an undrafted free agent or something like that on Wasn't that team. Wasn't that on the heels of that brawl he got into yeah, at Oregon? Right, there was the, a bunch. Well, of... he punched the dude the from fan. Boise State. No, no, no. He's a he's a oh. other player, but he punched that dude in the face, um, which still. I love. I mean, it's still one of my favorite like football moments ever. We just cold cocks that guy, but he was. He went. He ended up being suspended. Uh, was an undrafted free agent because of it. And then he actually started. He got signed by the Titans. Got cut in preseason. Then went to Tampa and rushed for a thousand yards. Anyways, that's Legarrette Blunt. What a time to be alive! I now, mean, the Falcons the held Falcons. the Panthers to three <laughs> points total, and they held Christian McCaffrey to seventy yards. Now, McCaffrey's YPA was really good. They just didn't need him as much. In yeah. rushing game because they were so far behind, they had to throw the ball. I mean, he did put up, what, 10 ball, 11, 10 or... He went over 100 yards, 10 or 11 balls for over 120 yards. So 
What are we thinking about this week's matchup against well, Tampa Bay? I mean, okay, a couple of things first. Oh, okay, give me your couple. Of things. I think the I think that Lay the, them out, I think that we can point to a legitimate change, which I think is is good. Like the the actual play calling duties being turned over to Raheem Morris and the other guy that I always over. forget. Yeah, there you go. That it does make you ask about Dan Quinn. Like you can talk on both sides about it. It's like, yeah, dude, like you delegated to the rest of your team like you've had a good resurgence here that's nice but also like what the hell were you doing like you're a defensive guy and when you were coaching the defense it looked like one of the worst coached units in the nfl now we have this resurgence for them i think you can say that okay that's real there is some talent on that team it just has always underperformed its talent also it doesn't really matter for this week because they're playing the damn bucks like of course they're going to be a good streaming defense a good defensive performance against the bucks the bucks are terrible they have Jameis winston does matter on thanksgiving when they will rematch against the saints that well yeah i think against the saints at home and the panthers and then they go to san francisco and they finish with jacksonville in fantasy and then they get they get the bucks one more time for to to juice that turnover uh margin yeah so for this week i think we're going to see more of that ferocious swarming pass rush heavy defense from Atlanta I think it could look a little bit different in New Orleans in Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving of the pieces so I think the biggest question is Ronald Jones right because a lot of people like asking questions about him he was supposed to have all of these touches Peyton Barber is still in the mix the Atlanta run defense has traditionally been pretty poor but are you still sticking with him when you when you weigh all of the things and how many rushing opportunities is he really going to have, assuming that the Bucks are coming from behind for most of the game? Yeah, it's going to be a hard pass yeah. for me and Ronald Jones. Let's just put it out there. Four carries, two catches, two catches for one juicy yard, by the way. After, after that, he went eight, admittedly, the week before he went eight for eight for 77 yards as a receiver. No, it's, I don't think the Ronald Jones thing is worth chasing at all. What about the Cameron Brait thing? Well, Cameron Brait is different because O.J. Howard looked like he got legit benched. Yep. Played almost no snaps in the second half. Bruce Arians comes out afterward and said he's obviously a talented dude, but it just doesn't seem to be clicking on the field for him. Um, so that could just be an O.J. Howard is not playing all that well sort of thing. And, and I mean, obviously, we know he had the behind-the-back, like, interception. Which for... I think he got banged because that kicked off. That was the first of Jameis's four interceptions. Yeah. And I think there was – I mean, not only was it, you know, the highlight that everybody showed, but I also think it kicked off the, the unraveling spree. of – Yeah, the unraveling of Winston. And so he's getting punished extra hard for that. I th- and plus, like, Bruce Arians in the entire Bucks operation is trying to do whatever they can to let you know that all these interceptions are not Winston's fault. So it makes sense that they would take that out on O.J. Howard. But it's like, look, buddy, if you're going to lead the NFL in turnovers – Eventually, some of them aren't going to be your fault, but your receivers kind of owe you one. And then I think we would also just admit that outside of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, if you need to stream at tight end because the landscape is so rough, go ahead and move towards Cameron Brait. But Evans and Godwin are the two pieces that you only really want to own and mess with. I would say so. You know, Matt, heading into a football season, there are players that flash or maybe they're rookies. And I always think that patience is a virtue and evolution takes time. So not all of these players pan out immediately, but I have noticed over the past few weeks some having some interesting performances and these players could potentially help fantasy owners down the back end stretch of this season. Noah Fant is someone we should talk about. 
You liked him last week. I liked him last week. He did have double-digit targets. In fact, he's fifth in targets, seventh in red zone targets since week seven among tight ends without Emmanuel Sanders in Denver. He's obviously seen his volume increase and his connection with Brandon Allen seems real, although Drew Locke is, I don't know, given the thumbs up in the wings. Uh... Yeah, um, Fant, I think, is a perfectly good tight end streamer if you need one uh you mentioned the volume has been coming his way nine targets four targets four ten over the last three weeks each of those games he's played above 80 percent of the snaps so i mean it's not pretty because like i mean that nine target game he caught five for 26 yeah that, that hands tar- i was reminded of watching him play of the hands technique portion of the conversation you had about him in your podcast your mini pod session uh rookie orientation it was fun. I enjoy. I really enjoyed doing it. And yeah, you were on the Noah Fant episode, and I think a lot of that, the hands technique, and then also the um, just like you get anybody around that guy, he's not catching the ball. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like anything through contact, he spooks. That was your big thought on him too, and obviously four catches on ten targets last week. That's you're gonna live through some inefficiencies, but like, h- how many guys can you bank on volume wise more than Noah right. Fant right now? Not not very many. And I mean, this matchup against the Bills. You want to run on the Bills more than throw on them right now, but at the same time, like I think you're again the volume. You're breaking ties in favor of uh, streaming him if you're if you're out of options. If you're getting forty, four, if you're getting four catches and fifty plus yards out of your tight end, I think you you're right. fun, yeah. Yeah, you're not taking a zero. Damn it! Come on. <laughs> I also so well. I mean, I guess to that end, do you see that fans from the reps he is getting is the game slowing down for him? I would say he, you know, everything takes practice and that maybe next year he might be more on a regular radar versus a streaming radar. Oh, yeah. I think he still has a lot of potential. The athleticism is there and everything like that. I mean, I th- I would not give up hope on Fant. And I think we knew there was going to be some development coming out of Iowa. You know, he definitely. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I've you've heard this before, but I hear that tight ends generally don't don't like make the curve in their in their first year that it's like a really tough position for rookies to make an impact during i have heard that you have and did you also hear that ryan fitzpatrick fitzpatrick went to harvard no but i have heard that he has like a kid in every state which is nice what he has a lot of children he jokes that like because with, he's played on so many teams he's has like one oh he's he's had he's conceived a child in every state yeah. not with different moms as far as i know no in every state yeah Anyway, <laughs> that was confusing wording, Matt. Sorry, <laughs> it was. Like, it was and looking back on it, I'm like Ryan you know. Fitzpatrick, the Hound Dog. Hey, man, long nights, lots of birthday parties. I don't know where to go with this one. <laughs> lots of birthday parties, uh, but yeah, no fan. I think can still be good. Like, look at George Kittle comes out of the same school. He was like whatever as a rookie, but then he explodes in his second season. I think that's pretty possible for fan. And I think he's been identified as a a piece that they got right and so he will have a more featured role one of the few i think hunter renfro is in also in that company you know this is a player that i like because he had a good game which game did he show well in in january of last year i believe that is the senior bowl yes my favorite bowl of all the bowls is the senior bowl i really liked hunter renfro coming out of that we saw him in hard knocks and over the past four weeks he his rapport with Derek carr has certainly blossomed he's averaging five and a half looks per game and he is tied with darren waller in overall targets he's second in red zone opportunities with five since week eight and that's all also when Ty, Ty, Tyrell Williams came back. So it's a fair, you know, distribution of the wealth there. And he's got the Jets this week. Yeah, and the Jets are all right. 
out of the slot. Brian Poole has been okay there for them, or at least he's been one of the he's gotten few. Worse. He has got. He's like your boy Justin Coleman. He's gotten worse as the season's season gone. He, also, Brian Poole used to get worked in Atlanta all the time, and when you're not good enough for that illustrious Falcons defense, well, passer rating of one fifteen for Brian Poole currently. Yep, uh, he, he's a guy that. But I would say the thing about him is he's been the, the one constant for them while the outside corners have obviously rotated due to injuries but either way i mean it's a very gettable matchup and you know i think that i he was in wolf pickups this week so oh really howl away you like him i like his contested catchability and i also like the fact that he matches Derek carr's skill set we know that your car even though he has tyrell williams he likes to check down he's got That's a ex- quick he's got a quick clock yeah you want to get that ball out quick clock like it and the Jets are obviously much softer versus the pass than they are against the run. Josh Jacobs has been dealing with the shoulder injury. And Josh Jacobs also isn't as involved in the passing game as we would like him to be no. because Hunter Hunter Renfro is there. So I have him projected for six grabs, 64 yards, and a touch. That's very generous, I admit. But I do like him, and I think he's someone that's going to continue as he gets the reps shine, especially in PPR-friendly formats. I agree with you completely. Oh, wow. I like that. Well, here's a player that I know that you've been high on. We both have, Debo Samuel. A little yeah. dinged up, but expected to play against the Packers in Week 12. Yeah, they're expected to have, well, Samuel, uh, Kittle, and Sanders. Sanders all look like they're probably going to play, which I think is good for each individual piece. Like, you'd like it, obviously, if Debo's the only guy out there getting targets, but you'd also not like it if Debo's the only guy out there getting targets because if Kittle is back, if Sanders is back, we know the offense is just better when those two guys are on the field. The Packers right now give up the fifth most yards per play. Their defense, we know, has gone from being what looked like a transformed unit at the beginning of the season to becoming very problematic. Garoppolo, despite, like, I think you have to give a ton of respect and a ton of credit to what he did last week against the Cardinals. Obviously, the Cardinals' defense sucks, but he was able to really do all that without all of his guys here. And he's missing his top left tackle, his leading rusher uh, in Matt Breida. So I like the way Garoppolo is coming on in the system. But also Arizona, I think the biggest testament to Garoppolo was that Arizona was able to take away the run. Yeah. And they said, all right, Jimmy G, throw it. Yeah, he had a couple of interceptions. He had a couple of his brain farts like he normally does. But he threw for over 400 yards. Yeah, when you're that handsome, you're going to have some brain farts. You can't have everything. Come on, give me a break. I'm flustered now just thinking about it. My goodness. But I do think that I think that the Packers are going to employ a similar strategy here. I think so too. I think they'll I think they'll use a lot of pressure, and um, they have been a very they've been a defense that you could run on. But the the fact that they are, I mean, they've moved like Adrian Amos between like safety safety and, and like box linebacker and everything. They're still trying to kind that's of that's because that it Savage out. kid was banged up for a bit too, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're still tr- just trying to figure everything out. Uh, but I like this game to get pretty. Higher scoring, at least, I don't think it's going to turn into some kind of wild shootout, but I do think that we can't expect it to go over its projected total right now. And, and I think that the, both of these offenses are looking good. And then on the other side of the field, too, like the Packers, I think their running game is going to have to be a focus, too, because that's how you beat San Francisco. And Arizona has run on them all right. The last two times, last week wasn't as great as Kenyon Drake's debut, but um, the Seahawks got over on them, too. So. It's a little um, master versus teacher, too, with LaFleur coming from the Shanahan tree. And both coaches obviously like to focus on the run. Only one of them, however, has Aaron Rodgers. One of them has Aaron Rodgers and, like, two really good running backs. So, yeah. I think the advantage goes to the pack. And you mentioned the over-under on the game. It has gone up two points since it initially opened yep. to 47 and a half. 
But and Debo though, I think is a guy that I think you played Debo pretty confidently this week. I think he's a nice flex. He's coming off of two over hundred yard efforts. And I also think that this is a person in dynasty or keeper leagues that is only going to flourish in the future. And he is absolutely, he's a fantastic fit for Shanahan's system. And he's working. It's not just about like, we thought that maybe Pettis would be a good fit in the system, but it's not working for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Debo is working and he has a gadgety ability. I love that he's getting rush attempts here and there too. Do you know what has surprised me most though about Debo? Like you said, we talked about him a lot as a prospect. We both really liked him for his versatility here Mm -hmm. in this offense. The ability to be multiple. The ability to be multiple. And like, I thought Debo ran a great slant route. I didn't think he'd be a great like deep threat but he's been getting like deep post looks mm-hmm. getting down the field more i think that's been a pleasant surprise for even people that like debo a lot the fit here was more tr- more because of that versatility and the ability to be a quick hitting route runner but he's been much better as an overall player than i expected he looks faster to me than i expected too yeah. i liked him that because a little fire he was hydrant? tough well I li- yeah i liked him because he was tough but i think he's been quicker i don't want to say faster cuz fast people tend to think about you know yeah but i think he looks quicker and so that's been helpful um Darius Slayton, man, this is a guy that I don't think anyone anticipated emerging into a real thing. He is, if you're looking at the Giants' offensive pieces, he is, which of these things is not like the other? It is Darius Slayton. So he stands out, right? Um, He is 3.8 best touchdown to reception rate in the NFL since week seven among wide receivers, 14.8, the fifth best average depth of target since week three among wide receivers. We love those air yards. I don't know if I love his matchup against the Bears this week, though. Yeah, you typically beat the Bears. If you're going to beat them through the air, you'd beat them with interior pass catchers. It seems like it'd be Golden Tate or Sterling Shepard if he's back. I don't think Evan Ingram is going to play in this one. So, yeah, I think that – I don't know that this is the week to be using Slayton, but he's a guy that's really been impressive and I think has a future with the Giants. Andy Isabella, any love? Is he going to catch an 80-yard pass every week? We'll see. I mean, you would think that – eventually he would start to get more involved, but it seems like they haven't quite figured out a role for him. Um, But if he does get on the field, I mean, look, I keep keep talking about how impressive Kyler Murray is, and he just continues to impress and and be very captivating as a player, that I think he's one of those type of guys that if Isabella starts to get more playing time, we're going to be interested because of the quarterback he plays with. Something I'm interested in doing with you, Matt, right now is going through each game and mentioning one thing that we're looking for. I'm going to go first. I think I'm going to do all of them. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Last time that wasn't the plan and it fell apart. Yeah. Why don't you just kick them all off? All right. Be the tone setter that you are, Liz Lozo. Broncos at Bills. The one thing I think is interesting from this game is obviously John Brown and Josh Allen. Great games last week. Well, here, I'll talk about something else. I think Buffalo is emerging as a team that you can really run on. But under Brandon Allen, these running backs have kind of been wiped out in the passing game. Allen has been more mobile than I expected, I think more than anyone expected, and we know that rushing quarterbacks typically don't throw the ball to their running backs as much, they don't check down as much, because when they get that deep in the progressions, they're going to take off and run it, and I think Allen has surprisingly been that guy, which makes the floors for Lindsey, and especially for Freeman, problematic. Um, I think that you can chase a floor with Lindsey here, he's a guy that I would play against this Bills run defense, and I don't care what they did to Kalen frickin' Balazs last week, um... (laughs) But I don't know that you play Freeman because of that lack of passing involvement. So last week you mentioned Josh Allen, and he obviously showed out well against Miami, passed for three touchdowns. The connection with he and John Brown was evident. But 
even though Stefan Diggs got the best of Chris Harris last week, I'm still not going to mess with this, mostly because I feel like since shifting around some D linemen and some linebackers, the pass rush in Denver has gotten better since it was at the top of the year. Well, actually, though. Well, actually, though, what? Uh, since week nine, they have the lowest pressure rate in the NFL, the Broncos do. So they're back to kind of being more miss than hit. But they did have a good stretch there. And Josh Allen's certainly a guy who can get himself into but pressure. That I, I also, so I'm aware, but I also feel like the Vikings O-line is part of, is affecting mm. that stat a little bit because they are giving Kirk Cousins a fair amount of time. Yeah. Surprising and to see. I'm not, you're not going to see the same composure out of, I can't believe I'm going to say that about uh, Kirk Cousins, but <laughs> you're not going to get the same composure out of Josh Allen. And I don't think he's going to have as much room to run and he is more likely to get sacked. And I also don't think you're going to take away his best receiver in John Brown with Chris Harrison coverage. So I don't want to touch either of these guys this week. I'll play John Brown because of what Stefan Diggs did last week. And they were able to get him away from Chris Harris on some of his bigger plays too. We'll see if the Bills have the same um, capability to do that with John Brown. Plus, I mean, he's just so he's so good, A, and uh, B, he's been just getting tremendous volume. Um, I think it's fair to lower your expectations, but I think this is still so lower spot. him to wide receiver three or wide receiver two, understanding that you have a wild love for this player. Low end two boomer bust potential. Understand sure. that you you're putting some volatility into your lineup. Low end two, I would say wide. I'd flex him, but I have trouble putting him in as a wide receiver two. So that's that's fair. That's about the same. Yeah, with all my biases uh, involved. Dolphins at Browns. I mean, this has got to be the Baker Mayfield game, right? This has got to be the OBJ, OBJ game. game. This has got to be. I mean, if it's not. I mean, what I don't, the hell? Like, just, yeah. <laughs> just go to Mexico Can't, for yeah, vacation yeah. and don't come back. Yeah, cancel the rest of the season if this isn't it. Uh, Baker Mayfield has a lot of um, touchdown regression, positive regression coming his way. That should be able to work against the Dolphins, who since their little two and one or two and one little run here that they just had, they uh, only average one point three sacks per game. Um, their pass rush is not intimidating. Um, and Cleveland, I mean, they just neither is Cleveland's right now either. No, Cleveland. I think both these offenses. Nobody's talking are, about that though. Both of these offenses are good to go for this week outside of Kalen Balaj. Just don't do that to yourself. Just really, you just really don't need to do that to yourself. But I think on Cleveland side, like to to go with the narrative here, like they desperately need this win because think about how annoying it's got to be for Cleveland. Like you just beat the Steelers. In prime time, the Steelers whoop your ass every year and you finally beat them in a big spot in a season where you need that win. So like, just need some refreshment that bad. It's not what anyone remembers. And no one cares because of obvious reasons. Like no one's talking about it. I think – and look, like Miles Garrett wrote his like – his legacy or his destiny in pen and like that will be discussed for the browns for the rest of this year and beyond but like they just a slight change of the narrative here with like a really good baker mayfield a really good obj game isn't it help. tainted against because of the matchup though like the, it, 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 the, this is one of those the stakes it, this is like the jets game if they don't win this game the stakes are almost so much higher because the team is so bad I, but i just think like cleveland still has a lot to build towards like they this, this has been my point with this team for you know since it's been apparent that it ain't gonna happen like 2019 is over we're thinking about like what it, what foundation are we building for next year for 2020 and beyond um salvaging baker mayfield like yeah it will be obviously tainted because of the matchup but like 
if the Browns go out and drop a hammer on this Dolphins team, I think it says a lot just to get the get some positive air back in the room. And they have a lot going for themselves offensively right now. Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham, the connection still is a little hit and miss, but Beckham has been getting a ton of volume. Um, they've successfully, kind of quietly successfully integrated Kareem Hunt into the offense as a receiver. They folded him in, folded him in as opposed to just saying, here you go, guys. Right. Which they, had they did a, not do with the receivers. No, they had a good plan. They had yeah. a good plan for Hunt. They employed and it's, one. And frankly, like, I know, you know, running backs don't matter or whatever, but if you just look at what Baker Mayfield is doing with Kareem Hunt, like, having that layup, Makes having that layup receiver yes. has been a huge has been a huge help. Last two weeks, he has a 102.7 pass rating and a 92.3 passer rating. Uh, no interceptions. Four touchdowns between the two games, completing 68 and 53% of his passes. But, like, yeah, so I think overall he's been a helpful force. There's a security blanket. Uh, you said running back talent doesn't matter, so I'm going to throw out a name. You're going to grow your eyes and say gross and not want to do it. But Patrick Laird. I, anything but Bellage. Patrick Laird. <laughs> you made the point back in the Mark Walton days, whatever, a couple of weeks ago, they've all run together at this point about how the Dolphins are in full evaluation mode, not even tank mode, though they have won two of their last three. So Patrick Laird is interesting here because the the Browns are going to be out without three of their key players. We know that Morgan Burnett's out, not that a safety is going to affect a running back that much, but like, um, and Miles Garrett and um, the other D lineman who was Ogan Joby is also going to be out. Laird caught all six of his passes last week. I, I mean, I know that the the narrative around Fitzpa- Fitzpatrick is that he obviously likes to air it out, but he's only got Devontae Parker now that Preston Williams isn't around to do that. So I think Laird has sneaky PPR potential in this week because I do think that the Dolphins are going to, the coverage is not going to be as good. And I do think the Dolphins, we know they're going to chase and they might be able to catch up a little bit better. Yeah. We've seen this team hold their own for the first half of games and then it usually falls apart in the second half. Yeah. And look, Garrett, for everything that we're talking about him right now with for obvious reasons like great he's a great player yeah he's a great he's a great player like removing a player like that from the defense has a ripple effect and i think that can bring a running back like uh layered layered patrick peter patrick patrick laird whatever pl it's probably the last time we'll ever talk about one percent owned Interesting. By the way, he might be on some fantasy damage on fantasy football live on sunday morning let's talk about panthers at saints one thing real quick out, this is the Alvin Kamara eruption game. He's outtouched Latavius Murray 35-19 to 19 over the last two weeks. He's been awesome as an individual talent. I, I don't give a shit what the Panthers did to Brian Hill last week on one of the worst rushing offenses in the NFL. I think Kamara smashes this week, and in context, he's pretty cheap in DFS. I like Jared Cook again. I was wrong about Traquan Smith, my mea culpa. See- Cook, 12 bucks in DFS too, by the way, which is crazy. Seahawks at Eagles. Uh, so we didn't talk about Nelson Aguilar's burner account on up oh. on the top of the show, but the I don't I don't care that he's online like if if it's him, if it's him. I don't care if he's online like defending himself, but the thing that sticks out to me about this little saga is, saga is the part where he says, you know, like Foles threw a better ball than Wentz. Like if Foles was there, the, these receivers wouldn't be dropping passes this illustrious burner account and the only thing that's interesting about that again if it's him or maybe it's someone that matches the narrative it matches the narrative it matches what you hear what i hear coming out of that team there's something to this and the eagles desperately need to salvage their season we've we've talked about that a lot on this podcast about how they can involve the two tight ends how they can run the ball more yada yada but like if this team is like 
out on its quarterback. <laughs> I don't know that it's going to happen. That's I don't know problem. that it's going to happen. And that's been the report since the first season, right? We've heard numerous. I, I said earlier this season, the locker room's a mess and they don't want to play for their QB. But Jacob Hollister loves playing with Russell Wilson. Yes. He is the Will Dis- Disley replacement out of Wyoming. He's put up three touchdowns and two top five fantasy finishes over his last pair of games. Stream him. Love him. I think he finds the end zone. Probably has five catches, 58 yards on top of that. Let's keep going down this list. Lions at Washington. Uh, Bo Scarborough. Boom. Yes. Is he, a, is he a thing? I think in this matchup, he sure is. Yeah, I mean. I don't think you're ever going to see him catch passes with McKissick and nope. Ty Johnson back there. but And Danny Amendola. And do yeah, Danny Amendola basically being a running back. Um, I think I think I like Scarborough a lot as a flex play here. Also like J- Jeff Driscoll for $24 in Yahoo Daily I Fantasy. I put him in my DFS guru uh, thing, yeah, too. Yeah, me, me too. We're both on that train. We're, he has looked a little bit better. <laughs> we're, we're riding that train to hell together. Um, he runs. It's nice. Again, this is Washington. Trubisky or Driscoll? Oh, Driscoll, for right? sure. I said the same thing, and people shot it down in a in a production meeting for a Dude, different f- playing Mitchell Trubisky. Like, you don't want to do that to yourself. Geis or Adrian Peterson? Who cares? Let's answer the question for Geis. people. Geis or Adrian Peterson. I am surprised that he is worked in as much this. I mean, they were they were working him in. I'm surprised that they're giving him this much um, work this quickly. But um, I do think Peterson's got a toe issue as well, and it looks like he is not the favored back. No, he had nine carries last week. I mean, yeah. the problem is just why well, I said no is because this is a bad it's offense. It's a game flow. It's not, well, it's not it – this 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 backfield ain't big enough for the two of us, honestly. Like, there's not room for two backs Raiders here. at Jets. I already like Hunter Renfro. We talked about that. Jamison Crowder does stuff every week, and this matchup means he's probably going to do more stuff. He's going to do more stuff. Uh, where do you rank Sam Darnold out of quarterbacks this week? Oh, I think I have him around 15. Yeah, I think he's at the top, like, tra- you know, normal streamer. Yeah. Uh, Jaguars at Titans. Foles going to look better in this one. Here's the thing. Not against the Titans. Here's the interesting thing about Nick Foles and, like, how it affects the entire offense is that we know that, like, Gardner Minshew played a much more traditional quarterback role in terms of, like, under center, drop back passing game. Nick Foles likes to be in the shotgun, run that type of offense, and that's not really what Leonard Fournette does at all. Like, Leonard Fournette's a behind-the-eye type of back, and it seems like there's a bit, which again just speaks to the front office, but it it it, uh, it seems like there's a little bit of a disconnect. A disconnect there. I think that's an astute observation. DJ Shark rocks though. DJ Shark does rock. My only point was if they can't get Leonard Fournette running, then this engine doesn't run, and I'm not sure Foles is the quarterback who's doing that, even though we thought, and especially a matchup against the Titans, a pretty good run defense. Pretty good run defense, and then on the other side of the field, Jacksonville giving up the most yards per carry in the NFL. Uh, the Derrick H- Henry haters will be furious for yet another week. I definitely have Henry ranked well above Fournette in my rankings. Cowboys at Patriots. To me, I'm going to go first. To me, this is the this is the Dak game. Because if Dak passes for over 285 yards, you pay him, Jerry. Like, this is where he proves it. The Cowboys are a team that knows how to beat tomato cans, but they have trouble against other good teams. This is especially in New England. If Dak can hold his own, to your point that you fantastically made at the NFL, at the FFL halftime show last Sunday, Dak is the engine of this offense, and he should be in the MVP race. I think this is going to be the test for him. What I've said about Dak, in the MVP race is that he needs signature moments. This was this, and then a week 16 matchup that could decide the NFC East in Philadelphia will be two of those moments. Did you, you say could, that part? In a piece I wrote about Oh, okay. Him, I was like, I don't remember 47th that. time right. that I've referenced this article, but yes, um, I think... Are you, should I just read it? Should I just read the article? 
It's like three weeks old at this point. I put one out today. You can read or not. But I think that generally, like, this is the type of thing he needs to have. A win in Foxborough would be huge. Um, the question is just like, this is, a, this is a, like legitimately the way the Cowboys offense sets up. Two things on this. Number one, like, I think Bill Belichick can do what he does to a lot of great receiver tandems, which is put Stefan Gilmore on the lesser one, Michael Gallup, and then, and then double the double one. Amari Cooper. And yeah. then 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 see this is where it's like, Dak, can you work with Randall Cobb, who you've who you've worked with pretty well the mm-hmm. last two weeks? Or is forty five year old Jason Witten a thing? Like, give me yeah. a break. He's a, Tony what? Pollard, I think, might be a sneaky that, play in this one. It's like, how do you possibly have the confidence to do it? But I agree. I wouldn't be surprised if he come out of the, the Sunday games and, and he has a touchdown or like eight catches you or something. You put both running backs in the formation, but you have you run Pollard out as a receiver in a, in a play, knowing that both of your number one and number twos are going to be taken away. And the only thing that makes me a little nervous about this entire thing, because I love what Look, I never thought I'd say this, but I love watching the Cowboys. I think they're one of the most fun teams in the NFL to watch, and I've, I've disliked the franchise for a long, long time. But... What get, makes me worried about them and what makes me just always afraid that, like, they're going to lose to a good team is I think they are too conservative as a team. And it, and it bothers me that Jerry Jones is out there saying, like, why wouldn't you give the ball more to Zeke? Like, mm-hmm. give the ball. And it's like, Jesus, man, like, come on, look at your team and, and get get your head out of your ass. Quickly from the Patriot side of things, if you were planning on streaming Muhammad Sanu, he is banged up. It's not going to happen. So if you've toyed with that experience, if you messed with it last week, I'm sorry. Don't you can't mess with it no more. And one last check in on Narrative Street. This there the uh, the articles have been creeping into the atmosphere this this week. Is Tom Brady not an elite quarterback anymore? Is it is it is this the end of the line? And in past years, I don't know that he has the guys in the passing game to do it this year. But in past years, that usually indicates whichever team gets gets to come into Foxborough next is usually going to be put six feet under. So we'll see. He also said that though. I mean, he's frustrated. He is frustrated. And he said, we have to focus on our defense is the The heartbeat of of our team. team, And we need to focus on putting them in a better position, which I think means more more running the ball. I think I think there's gonna be a big James White game, frankly. Hopefully some of the offensive line like Isaiah Wynn comes back. That's right. That's a key thing. The offensive line gets better. Maybe Sony Michelle can be a usable running back again. I, no, I I like his trust with with James White, especially remember Damian Harris. Remember that guy? He's hurt. Yeah. Ravens at let's skip Packers at 49ers because we already talked about them a little bit and go to the Monday night showdown Ravens at Rams. I have tickets to this game and I don't think because I have so much work to do, I'm going to be able to go. That sucks. I know. Just tell people you can't work. No, I can't do fearless forecast or do the pod on Tuesday, guys. Well, there you go. What? Pick one or the other. <laughs> so we'll see you uh, in two weeks. I really uh, want to go see Lamar Jackson play live, but I just don't think I'm going to pull it off. But it doesn't matter. Let's preview it now. You had a lot of Rams talking points, so I want to make sure you get those in. The Rams, again, Todd Gurley had a good game last week, probably one of his best fantasy games. Obviously, he saw season high in carries. He scored. He saw 36 receiving yards. It could be just a fluke. I've been really hesitant to trust that we know anything about Gurley at any point because things change week to week. But it was encouraging. I don't know if you noticed this at the game, but talked about a lot on the broadcast. And you go back and rewatch it, you can tell that their offensive line is bigger. They ran with more power. They reshuffled. They reshuffled, and and they didn't run those outside zone things. Like honestly, it looked like they were running C.J. Anderson last year when they switched to more. You know, Robert Woods was out of that game. Brandon Cooks was obviously out of that game. Both those guys might be back this week, but that'll help Cooper Cup. That will help. Cooper Cup, but it will also, I do wonder if like maybe we just don't see the spread as much and we see more power sets because when they went to power last week as opposed to running zone in the outside stretch, that was much better for Gurley to just get downhill and get 
get into the open field. 27 touches. I mean, 27 carries, I believe. And then he did score a touchdown through 25, the 25, I think, and three catches. Was it 7, 28 total then? Something yeah. like that? Yeah. It was a lot of carries. In fact, our own Frank Schwab wrote a pretty good, I really liked it, a good article about Todd Gurley's usage and what he said after the game. I myself was paying close attention and actually turned to Jason and said, well, they take him out. We've won this game. We being the Rams this time. <laughs> the on Ram- that drive. <laughs> the Rams have won this game. No, in the fourth quarter, after after Malcolm Brown scored, why is Todd Gurley on the field? Knowing no. what you know about his durability, just pull him, maybe get Henderson some reps. You're not going to lose the game here. So I was surprised that they were running him to the extent that they were, but I think you're right, and you make some excellent points about that O-line being reshuffled. Um, what about the league MVP, Lamar Jackson, taking on these these Rams? Yeah, I mean, I think Here this- for it. Hell yeah. Uh, Look, Lamar is the most exciting, most fun player to watch in the NFL, and I don't think really it's a debate. And I just think it will be it will be really fun to watch him go against a great defensive coordinator and Wade Phillips. And I think this is going to be like a pretty low scoring game because how the hell is Jared Goff going to put up any points on this Ravens defense that has been remade? Well, that's the thing. I mean, their run defense a little bit banged up, but like their run defense is solid and the secondary we keep talking about is next level. And they did a lot. And there's a Marcus Peters revenge game here. Oh yeah, it is. A new revenge game too. It still, it still burns like that. That wound hasn't healed yet. Yeah. This is a a fresh revenge Mm -hmm. game. Um, Hopefully it goes better than Gary on Conley's revenge game against the Raiders like five days after being traded there. But Marcus Peters might be a little bit better than Gary and Conley, but I think it's also noteworthy too what the Ravens did a lot as a like to get some pass rushers free. They really dominated the line of scrimmage defensively, which we haven't seen them do very much against Deshaun Watson last week. Only prediction I have um, that might be semi bold is that Cooper Cup is going to bounce back if both um, Woods and I think that's fair. You want to attack Baltimore in the slot, anyways. All right, DFS. We both like Jeff Driscoll. You like Russell Gage if you want to talk on him real quickly. We already talked about Jared Cook. Bucks are top three in yards and catches and touchdowns allowed to slot receivers. Gage has lined up inside since Muhammad Sanu uh, has been traded 74% of his snaps. Um, he's been 48-plus percent snap player in general since that trade in the three weeks. And obviously the Bucks are terrible. You got it. Um, Taylor Gabriel also is cheap. We mentioned him. Taylor Gabriel, Bo Scarborough, Jalen Samuels. Those are all really good value plays. We will be back on Sunday for our week 12 recap. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We are out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.